My son Boston and I, February 28th, 2010, were on a Sunday evening outside Grandma and Grandpa's house playing street hockey just before we went in to watch the gold medal game between Canada and USA in men's hockey. That night it was a pretty exciting game and it went to overtime with a score of 2-2 when all of a sudden Sidney Crosby scored the game-winning goal and the crowd went wild and the announcer on the TV screamed, Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. That was a statement that signified a game-changing moment. And while that game-changing moment affected the nation of Canada for a period of time with great pride and enthusiasm, it really hasn't affected my life much since that time. But there's other game-changing statements that take place in our lives. I wonder if you've maybe said or heard some of these statements as they refer to you. It's a boy. It's a girl. I'm moving. You're hired. You're fired. Congratulations, you've just got your driver's license. Hey dad, can I borrow the car? Or maybe one like this, will you marry me? All those statements carry a game-changing reality with them. If you really like sports, you'll know about the TSN turning point and all those type of statements turn a person's life. But today I want to focus on what I believe to be probably the most significant game-changing statement in the history of mankind. And it was when the angel pronounced to the ladies at the tomb, He is risen. What an amazing statement. He is risen. He is no longer dead. He's no longer buried in the tomb. But Jesus Christ was risen. That was an amazing scene that unfolded. It began... It was the end of three years of Jesus' public ministry. At about the age of 30, Jesus began to teach people about God's love. As he traveled around the area around Jerusalem and that whole area, he began to call disciples to follow him. He began to do miraculous signs and from multiplying food for people to healing people to turning the water into wine. He was on earth... He was God sent from heaven to be fully man here on earth. It is a true mystery on the divinity of Jesus Christ and the humanity of Jesus Christ. It was about at the age of 30 that Jesus began to do his public ministry. He began to teach people about how God loved them and who God was and that when people saw him, they were actually seeing God the Father and who he was like. He called disciples to follow him. He did miracles, everything from multiplying food like loaves and fishes for people to eat to doing physical healings. It was a mystery how Jesus came from heaven and was born on earth and could be both God and man at the same time. That he would live through this life experiencing all that we have with all its joys and sorrows, temptations, successes. But unlike us, he would navigate through this broken world perfectly. And there would be a time, and it came at this 33-year point of his life, where the Bible says it was the perfect time. And Jesus died on a cross to pay the punishment for all of us who weren't perfect, for all of us who are sinners. And that's everyone who's ever walked on the face of this earth. The Bible talks about sin, and sure, there's 
We understand sin to be ways that we hurt other people or hurt ourselves or we offend God. But in the book of James, it's written that sin is simply not doing what we know we should do. And I think that's a definition that can work easily for a lot of us. As I read at the beginning of this service, as those ladies had gone to the tomb, they found that Jesus was no longer there, that he had come out of that tomb. And the angel was there instead, and they said, He isn't here. He is gone. Go and tell the others. He is risen. What an amazing scene. There are many scenes from past history in our world that still have an effect today. But there's no scene from history like that of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that still lives on with its power to affect daily lives, people like you and me in our ongoing lives. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because Jesus still lives today in heaven, and because he's still giving us the invitation to be his God's children and to believe in him and to receive his forgiveness for our sins, that makes that event of Jesus' resurrection the most powerful ongoing event in mankind. It continues to be a game-changing statement. He is risen. You see, God had created mankind and brought us into this world simply to be in relationship with Him. That He had created this beautiful world and He wanted relationship. He didn't want a bunch of robots just doing whatever He said. He was actually looking for relationship. And because God is perfect, He can only have relationship with that which is perfect. And so He created a perfect garden. He, he created perfect uh, man and woman in Adam and Eve. But then Adam and Eve, because they were created with free will so that there can actually be an authentic relationship, not one that's just programmed in that they could not say yes or no to, they actually had to say yes to loving God. And there came a moment when the enemy in the form of a serpent, tempted them and said, don't you want to know from good and evil? Did God really say that you shouldn't eat of that tree? And they gave in to the temptation. And it was at that moment that their perfection became tainted and that first sin has now grown over hundreds and hundreds of years, layer upon layer upon layer, to where we see the travesty and brokenness that our world is filled with. We see the effects both in our physical and natural world and in our spiritual, physical humanity, the effects of the brokenness of that first sin. But God had a plan and He enacted that plan. The plan was already in place. But once the sin entered the world, He put it into process and into action. And at the right time, Jesus came down to earth and lived His life died and rose again so that we could put our faith in Him. We simply must acknowledge that we are sinners, that we haven't been perfect, that we need a Savior. And then we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We say, Jesus, I'm not perfect. You are. And as the Son of God, I trust You and choose to follow You with my whole life. And then we just begin to learn how to be His child and we respond to the invitation to follow and to do life the way that He does it. He is risen is a game-changing statement. How will you let it affect your life? For the disciples who were there at that resurrection time, it was a real kind of confusing time. The women who had 
come across that tomb, they were definitely excited, but they were shocked and bewildered. There was confusion amongst the disciples. Some of them were still reeling with disappointment that this Jesus, who they thought were, was coming to bring a, a political change and a, a change to the physical kingdom that they were living in, had died. And they were just starting to come to terms with that. They were afraid. They were, they'd locked themselves up in a house. Some were, were found doubting. The reality of that He is risen statement shocked them. And the reality of it hadn't set in yet. It took time for that game-changing truth to be applied to their lives. They continued to follow. They continued to go through the ups and downs of, of what that message meant at the beginning. But it didn't take long to where their lives aligned with this truth. And they would become people who would carry the message of Jesus far and wide. And they would be the people that would be the countercultural people showing how to love, bringing people to relationship with God, and being dynamic people in the world around them. Maybe more than we'd even care to admit, we could feel like those disciples. That we are uncertain of what to do with the reality that He has written. That we still feel somewhat confused. We don't know if we can trust Him in certain areas of our life. We're afraid to step out or to say anything. Pastor Dwayne talked last week about a three-minute message to be able just to share the hope of the story that lives within us. Does that still rattle or shake us? Scripture says that the earth shook at His resurrection. The reality is the resurrection and the fact that He is risen should shake us. And it should shake the reality of our personal world, our family world, our priorities, our finances, our work, our school. Jesus has come to touch every part of our life because He wants to heal every part of our life and bring true meaning and purpose to it. We need to follow Him and let Him have access to our lives so that the power of His truth can indeed change us from the inside out. When we allow Jesus to be our game changer, He does change us from the inside out. We can experience His forgiveness, His love. We have fresh purpose. We have fresh perspective. When we are down, when we have a loss, when we are grieving or depressed, we have someone to go to, to walk alongside, to comfort us, to teach us and help, help us in those moments. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11 say this, and I believe this indicates why this is such a game-changing idea that He is risen. The New Living Translation says it like this, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Friends, there is nothing more game-changing 
than going from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. And that is what experiencing His life in our own lives does. We move from death to life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, that passage says a few things. First, it says that God died for us while we were still sinners. While we were still enemies. While we were still unaware of Him. He went to the cross on our behalf. He died for us before we were even walking on this earth. He paid the price for what we would do wrong. And you see, that death saved us from God's wrath. The scripture that we just read said, we're free from God's condemnation. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life. All of God's anger and wrath that goes towards me because I'm a sinner was placed on Jesus at the cross. And so if I put my faith in Jesus and believe that His payment for my sin accomplished it all and I ask Him to forgive me, then God's wrath no longer is directed to me. You see, we have to be followers of Jesus Christ. We have to accept His gift in order to be forgiven and to not have God's wrath directed at us. That it's a gift. That's why Jesus came to to undergo all of that wrath and all of that pain so that we would not have to. The God who is our Father is not only loving, not only gentle, not only kind, but He is just. And sin and all that goes along with it needs to be punished. And so He put that punishment on Jesus at the cross. And that payment is available to everyone who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. One of the last things that passage of Scripture said was that because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God, we can now rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with Him. What an amazing statement. We can enjoy a relationship with God. The one who initially created us to walk in friendship with Him has done what it takes so we can continue to walk in relationship with Him and friendship. Folks, that's a game-changing reality. And it happens because He came out of the grave. He is written. Sometimes I think we can get stuck just wondering if we've been forgiven enough or I've sinned again today and I've, I've just put Jesus back on the cross and I need His forgiveness again. Yes, we need to ask for forgiveness. And yes, when we sin as we follow Christ, we still ask for forgiveness as it comes to our attention. But the reality is we are not perpetually at the cross, but we also have the reality that Jesus came out of the tomb and he was able to do that because he defeated death, which means he has everlasting life and he's sharing that with us. An abundant life that we can live here on this earth and will indeed take us to live forever with him in heaven. It's an amazing concept that he doesn't just take care of our death and sin, but he's also taking care of giving us life and hope for the rest of this life on earth and for the future. I'm going to try to tell a bit of a story and hopefully it it comes across all right, but I want you to pretend with me for a minute and use your imagination that if you could put all your wrongs and all your sins, whether the worst things you could have thought of doing to just those things as we talked about from James that things you didn't do that you knew to do and if you could put them all in a giant bag and then put an amount of money on it 
how, how much debt that would be. Would that be worth like $100,000 if you were pre pretending how much money? A million dollar, millions? I'm going to pretend today that it's, it's $100,000. That that's how much that sin debt might cost. And now we can imagine that somebody comes along and they see my, my debt. They see that $100,000 debt that I owe somebody. And they come along and they just pay it. What an amazing thing. It's gone. That debt is gone. All those promissory notes and loans are gone. It's taken care of. The debt's been paid in full. It's amazing to have that forgiven. But the reality is, once that debt is forgiven, I'm left with zero. I don't owe any more money, but I, I don't really have anything to live on. I'm back at zero. More than I started with, but not really much to go on. But now imagine that that same person that paid off the $100,000 debt also put $100,000 in my bank account so that I could actually live and enjoy life, could be taken care of and be provided for. Folks, I'm not talking about giving your life to Jesus or us following Jesus so that we have hundreds of thousands of dollars forgiven or given to us, but rather trying to use it as an example that he didn't just come to take care of our debt, he came to give us life and to give us hope and to give us purpose that we could actually lean into him and draw from him life eternal as we cling to his hand and walk forward in this life with him. It's amazing. He gives us his free choice, his free decision to come to him to receive forgiveness. And that when we receive forgiveness, he also gives us life. Life abundant for now and life eternal for once we are done this world. It's an amazing and amazing fact. And the reality is, his account of forgiveness is totally full. And it can, will never be running out. But just like any bank account as we've talked about, you actually have to make a withdrawal in order to make use of money from an account. You actually have to go to Jesus, put your faith in him, and ask for his forgiveness. You have to make an, a withdrawal from his forgiveness account. Many of you have prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be your friend, so that you could live in the truth that he is risen. Some of you have not made that decision before, but you're sensing something going on in your heart and life, and you know that you want to respond to that invitation that he has. I'm going to pray a prayer, and while... It's not a magic prayer, and while you don't have to say all these words, some people like to have help in what words to say. All we're trying to do is find words to express what's in our heart. And so whether you've prayed this prayer before, one time or a thousand times, or whether it's for the first time, would you bow your heads if these words indicate what's going on in your heart and life as we uh, redeclare our love for Jesus and our need for Him today? Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to earth for me. Not just to die for me, but to rise again. Not just to pay my punishment, but to give me life. I receive your gift of forgiveness and life. I choose to follow you and to love you, Jesus. Guide and direct my steps, I pray, in Jesus' name.
Amen.